and welcome to your GG Replay for Monday, January 17th, 2022. GG Replay is your Monday, Wednesday, Friday show where we break down the latest in gaming news hosted by us, the Goodnight Groofs, a place for games and a place for goofs. You know, we're, we're workshopping the slogan, but coming into 22, 22? 2022 (laughs) (laughs) it is the year 22 and uh things are shaping up to get really good someone just invented a wheel so we're excited about that and uh they've they started a little game with it where you push a stick i think we should make a show about this uh my name is paul and i am joined as always by matt how are you doing on this uh i don't know what do i say um magnificent monday oh i'm doing pretty good i've recovered from the sonic stream that was yesterday (laughs) morning um it was absolute misery i (laughs) played for two hours like i had to to fulfill the bet and did not play a second longer uh it was terrible with the playing on a keyboard i will never do it again the game is already uninstalled and i don't think i'll ever be revisiting it i do sort of want to try sonic mania maybe at some point it's a good game the older 3D Sonic games are just, it's not their fault, but they're so outdated at this point. It was just really, really not fun. <laughs> you know, It's dated and it doesn't work well on a keyboard that never was meant to. Yeah. You also chose that lifestyle. But yes, keyboard is not a good way to play it. And yeah, they're super dated there. As I kept talking about it, it was 2001. It's 2001. It's like that's 20 plus years ago, almost 20 yeah. years ago. Pretty wild. That That's pretty dated. Now, I mean, there's games that are that great like i mean i could go back and play super mario 64 and have a really good time i don't find that horrendously dated to play the mechanics but yeah i think they tried to push a little further with the sonic 3d games like i mean at least good ones like i think sonic adventure 2 specifically kind of tried to push some boundaries and that didn't age well now because it was not as fluid as some better games um but yeah you will get to see this game again though matt you don't have to revisit it personally but i have reinstalled uh as soon as your stream ended actually and i think i may try to stream it on uh, our Twitch channel and see if I can handle it because I'm I'm thinking nostalgia may not be on my side and I also might not hate it but certainly just find it frustrating but we'll see I, I think I'd like to I'd like to propose that that will be something I stream uh, within the next little bit of time here uh, definitely in 2022. I know people look back on Sonic Adventure and Adventure 2 fondly but it just felt like even for the time i don't know if it was a super well-designed platformer it seems very small and limited and this this i mean the voice acting (laughs) outside of gameplay the voice acting is terrible the story is nonsensical it doesn't Mm -hmm. make any sense it's bad nothing is explained to you (laughs) story-wise or gameplay-wise you have to read it though man (laughs) it makes just some even like like the variety in the gameplay you get by playing the different characters. I thought that the tales sections were the best traditional like 3d action platforming segments. But even then it was like, it's just, it's so hard to, it was that era where like they games were still able to get away with the old uh, camera controls. And they, it wasn't like everyone had moved on at that point. And the fact that the Sonic game was still clinging on to older camera controls makes it really difficult. Yeah, there weren't really the twin stick camera controls in a lot of games at that point. Like, I mean, I played this game on a GameCube uh, and that that didn't really foster. I mean, they had a C stick, but you certainly weren't using camera controls all the time. So 
yeah, I mean, that definitely wasn't the design. I will say, and this is the last thing I'll say on it, but when you said the story doesn't make sense, you know what? You're probably right that it does jump around a bit. I did notice that, but it's actually, it's by design a little bit in the sense that if you play the the villain mode or the dark mode or whatever, um, and play through as the the counterparts, the so Sonic and Rouge and, and Eggman, um, in that scenario, they actually fill in blanks in the story to see how those characters got there. And it makes a little bit more okay. sense. Yeah. So the story fills out, but you kind of have to go through and be like, what's going on? And then you have to like go back and play the other one. And then you, and then, so I guess if you were to like have played this game for months and months as a kid and like, you know, went back and like replayed it, it would make more sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly not, it's not a, not a 10 out of 10. <laughs> that is cool that they, they have a mode where you can play as hero or you can play as the villain. That That is cool. I will give them that. Mm-hmm. And they are separate stories, which is kind of cool. So it all kind of converges. Anyway, uh, yeah, I think I'll be doing that on Twitch. So definitely something to check out. But let's get into some stories today. Not a ton of stuff, but some pretty interesting stuff to talk about that I think is going to, you know, have some pretty big ramifications on the rest of the year. So definitely worth talking about. First off, just a little thing to remind you, if you come across any necessary corrections in today's episode or just want to leave us a comment, you can send an email to ggreplayshow at gmail.com so we can address them in the next episode. Matt, we all love E3. We do, right? I, th- I think it. that's fair. O- over over the years, over our lives. But over the last few years, E3 has been in trouble. And then we've talked about this. And there was an announcement recently that E3 would not be going physical this year we would be going well they didn't say we'll be going digital they implied we might be going digital uh they just said there wouldn't be a physical show well e3 2022 is in doubt the digital event is probably also canceled this comes from venture beat journalist jeff grubb who usually we can trust said on tiktok quote e3 has been canceled well physically it's been canceled digitally probably also canceled so this comes from Jeff Grubb. Generally, he's a pretty reliable leaker, usually pretty on the ball. I would say probably canceled digitally. That that feels that feels right. I think I think it it's also believable because it feels like kind of the way the ocean is going here. Matt, uh, how are you feeling about this? Do you think this is a big disappointment? Do we still need E3? What's going to happen to E3? E3 is done. This is the final nail in the coffin. This is really, really sad. We we talked about this recently with the news last week that it was going likely to digital only instead of an in-person show. And we talked about how at this point going forward, E3 was never going to be the same again, just Mm -hmm. because you can't have a year of not having it, a year of digital only, and then another year of digital. You can't ever really go back to what you once were when you do three straight years where it's just such a, a smaller event. Well, and what and one year where it was fully canceled, 2020, which yeah, I mean, obviously yeah. was a tough year, but like, you know, we did see stuff from Summer Games Fest that year, so it's, it wasn't impossible, you know what I mean? Right. But now, I mean, if it's just outright canceled, this is the end. E3 does not come back from this. Now, there might be some sort of phoenix rising from the ashes, some new event, but this is it. I mean, E3 is over. They're never going to get... When when companies can do their own show for so much cheaper and just do something online, a video straight to their audience, like maybe they want to... Maybe Microsoft wants to use their theater or whatever. Like, that's yeah. cool, but they can just film it on their own. They don't necessarily have to invite people. They just film it and then it doesn't have to be live they just release it when they want to the next day or or whatever it is 
like when you can do that, it's over. I mean, E3 is done. I don't see how you come back from this. The industry has to continue having some sort of conference. I mean, this is a massive entertainment industry and giant industries have large conferences. So there's going to have to be something. But E3, as we know it, is done. It's not coming back. It's depressing, but it is what it is. They, I mean, if it really is canceled this year, that's that, that has to be the end of it. I just don't see how you can come back from that. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, I just feel, you know, like you said, Microsoft can do their own thing. You know, I mean, Sony already isn't really even doing things in that time slot. Nintendo does, you know, their Nintendo Directs. They, they really avoid even the vibe of E3. Like Microsoft still pushes that vibe where it's right. in the theater and it's it, it feels like it's part of the show, even though it's really its own thing. Uh, and so... Yeah, I think a lot of people can do that now with online streaming and the resources these companies have. They don't need to go to E3. That being said, yeah, for smaller stuff, for sure, for third parties. But then we also have Summer Games Fest now and we have Jeff Keighley trying to get in there and grab those third party announcements, grab other announcements, even first party and second party announcements from studios. And he's making a lot of connections. I mean, he's clearly made a lot of connections. I mean, it's kind of silly to say that he's hugely networked into the industry. And so... I don't know. I mean, is there a possibility that going forward in the future, we might see Summer Games Fest become the new E3, maybe go physical, something like that? Kind of his brand and his company taking that over and becoming the new version? Because that could really happen if we and we we kind of lose the thread of what, you know, whoever's running E3 or not running E3, uh, you know, doing here. Yeah, that I think that's going to be the case. I think Jeff Keighley is going to take the baton here and become the next big thing whether it's the summer games fest brand or if he comes up with something new that sort of is this all-encompassing larger event that might be possible but it's just the esa clearly just doesn't care enough about e3 anymore i don't know why i assume it's a decent money maker mm-hmm. maybe not digitally because i don't know maybe they're they're paying to get these companies to have their spots in their show and digitally, you're not getting people paying for conference tickets and whatnot. So I don't know, maybe for the ESA, it doesn't make financial sense anymore. But if that's the case, then someone else is going to step up and and it's probably going to be Jeff Keighley. And I don't know what the future holds, but I do think there's there's room now for someone to take the place of E3. It's probably going to be Jeff Keighley, but I'm very curious to see what happens um, with other players in the space as well. I know Maybe Jeff Keighley takes over that E3 space and then Kind of Funny, who has had a showcase over the past couple of years. I don't know if they did last year, but um, maybe then they move in and, and they're like the the second fiddle to to Jeff Keighley and they take like the Summer Games Fest slot. So I don't know what ha- what happens here, but there's going to be room for other players. So it's going to be interesting. The, the vibe of E3 is not going to go away. E3 itself might, but the vibe of E3, the summer game announcement stuff, that's not going away. Yeah, people want June. They want a week in June where all of the games are announced <laughs> or like the biggest, most exciting hype things are announced. People are used to that. It, I think it makes money in the sense that it hypes people for games, but also I have a feeling like the advertising and the streams can make money doing that too or for, for channels who are trying to, you know, co-stream or whatever, whatever. I think I think it's a, a good way to do things. And so, yeah, I, I hope that that sticks around. But yeah, E3 in, in the name or in the... I don't know. There's a possibility, I guess, that like Jeff or someone else could take over that name maybe or that branding and and use that. Um, It all depends on how the ESA wants to play ball with that or if, you know, that's how it's going to go. Honestly, I think the branding of E3 is a little tarnished at this point. I would want to just do something new. 
maybe something that evokes E3 in like a color scheme or like a design sense. But I don't know if I was coming up with something new to replace it. I don't think I would call it E3. Yeah. E4. E4. Like the, uh, like the British uh, channel on, uh, yeah. on Sky. Yeah, let's do so it. There you go. Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's move on to another story. The creators of Wallace and Gromit are making a, quote, mad open world game. Ardman Animations is developing a new open world video game based on an original IP. So this presumably, it sounds like it's a new IP. This is not going to be Wallace and Gromit or one of their other, like, Quail Man or that kind of stuff. Uh, Quail Man is not that. That's a totally different thing from Doug, I think. <laughs> yeah, what the uh, hell are you talking about? I don't know why about? I said Quail Man. I got a little confused in my head. <laughs> chicken Run? Did they do Chicken Run? I don't think they did Chicken Run. But they didn't do Chicken Run? They did Chicken Run. They, they did. did. Okay, looking, I, it was their well, first feature film. Well, I was thinking Chicken Run. That must have been it. <laughs> I love Chicken Run. I love Chicken Run. That's one of my favorite uh, lines as a kid, which was the, uh, I saw my whole life flash before my eyes. It was really boring. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, the game will focus on inventive mechanics and compelling characters. I would hope so. According to several job listings on the studio's website, and it's described as a mad open world game that sits within the 3D action adventure genre, which is pretty cool. Matt, you like some 3D action adventures. That's kind of your bread and butter. And you liked yeah. Chicken Run. Uh, I don't know how you feel about Wallace and Gromit, but does this seem like something that might interest you? I watched a lot of Wallace and Gromit as a okay. kid. It's been a long time since I've seen anything Wallace and Gromit, yeah. really. But this sort of reminds me of how the Kana Bridge of Spirits team, I forget the development studio all of a sudden, it, Ember something or Fire something, mm -hmm. but it, how they started as an animation studio and pivoted to video games or how Joseph Ferris came from the film industry, that sort of thing. This is interesting. This is intriguing. I don't know Ember Lab. Ember Lab. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how good something like this can be. I don't know how much because look, it's a risk. If they put a ton of money behind it and it doesn't do well, that's that's could be a really big loss. Video games are expensive. Maybe it's some sort of double A sort of venture into into this thing. I don't know. I, I feel like if they want to do it, they want to do it right. But at the same time, I don't know. They have no I, I don't think they have any experience in video games. I, there's been Wallace and Gromit games before. They have worked on a video game before. It was in the article, and I can't remember what it was, but it wasn't like a claymation game. Uh, they have worked on a game before, and they are working on another game okay. that I believe is supposed to be based on another IP that they're working on, and that um, they have they have major publisher support for that, and it's presumed okay. they do for this as well. So, so there is definitely money behind it. They they are established in the idea that they've made a little bit of game stuff. They are involved with video games. So it sounds like this is more of like a big, they kind of dip their toes in. This is more of a big venture. Well, look, I love their art style. I love 3D action adventure games. Calling it an open world scares me a little bit because that's very ambitious. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm probably going to follow this game going forward because I love these kind of games. I don't know if it's going to be good. I hope it is, but it's definitely intriguing. Wallace and Gromit is exceptionally unique in art and humor so it yeah i mean it's it's an exciting idea i like the idea of an open world of just like wandering around like an english village yeah uh, with everyone kind of like talking in weird <laughs> grumbly noises or something that sounds kind of fun 
I feel like you could make a really interesting Wallace and Gromit game uh, in Dreams on PlayStation <laughs> with, with that graphical style. Interesting is the perfect description of that. <laughs> uh, you know, I think it's interesting, too, that you mentioned those other teams because it does this game and the idea behind this almost there is some precedent for claymation games, but not a lot. But I will say um, this makes me think a lot of Cuphead. Uh, and that whole endeavor and how much time it took the studio to yeah. make that game and how it kept putting, getting pushed back and getting pushed back because the art style of animating every frame was absolutely right. infeasible. Like they, like the idea that they can make another game like that or continue making games like that is is kind of like out of the realm. Like it would take them like a decade. Right. Uh, now that being said, could they and, and will they again? Maybe, um, but it's not a good way to make, it's not a, a, like a, what's the word I'm looking for? Efficient way to make video games in any way. Uh, and I wonder about this kind of stuff too, of how, how much it's going to be true to like that claymation style, how much, I don't know if that's hard as well or difficult to do properly. Maybe it's easier because you're not, again, you're not animating frame by frame. You're just rendering shapes and things like that. So, but I don't know if the physics would have to be a certain way to, to work with like clay characters, but I, I don't know. I, I think it's a cool idea. I, I do think there's going to be a lot of artistry involved and it'll be interesting to see what they get up to. Chicken run the MMO coming 2025. Oh my God. Chicken run to your nearest GameStop and pre-order today. <laughs> All right. Don't be a chicken. Run to your nearest GameStop and pre-order All right, today. Let's move on. All right. I'm, I'm just, I'm <laughs> mad. I'm obligated to say this. Um, I, it's an ad copy. I didn't tell you. Uh, all right. Moving on to something we can't look forward to seeing anytime soon, and that's Hogwarts Legacy because it, quote, may not launch until 2023. This game is what is happening here. Speaking on his Sacred Symbols Plus podcast, paywalled on Patreon, uh, but not for you, Matt. You, you pay for this? I'm a patron. Love that. Love that. Yeah. Uh, but transcribed by Video Games Chronicle for us, Colin Moriarty said, Quote, I'm hearing behind the scenes that the game is not coming out this year and that it's in some sort of trouble. Uh, also, according to a Bloomberg report citing anonymous sources at Warner Brothers, Avalanche Studio, some members of the game's development have since fought to make the game as inclusive as possible in response to J.K. Rowling's comments, you know, regarding transphobia and things like that. Um, a lot of so some people are maybe chalking this up. I, I, I say this because some people are chalking this up maybe to that. Um, having some pushback within the studio or the publishing team, or maybe it's taking time um, for them to make those changes in the in the archetypes of the game. Like if they're going to go full hog on that, or if that's going to make a difference. Hard to see. That's an angle I've seen some articles online taking. I don't I don't necessarily think that, but I guess it's worth saying. I don't even know what like what as inclusive as possible means. I mean. Yeah, I, I like I understand in terms of like maybe like accessibility stuff, but I, I think their idea like because they always already rumored that they're going to like, you know, allow you to make trans characters or characters of, you know, whatever gender, which is fine. I, I don't I don't specifically see how that would take any time right uh really out of things but a lot of the articles i saw i saw a couple of them and they all seem to hit that note so i don't know if that maybe is maybe having some pushback i don't know uh the only thing i could think again is like if warner brothers doesn't like that for some reason it seems kind of out of vogue for them to feel that way uh, matt what's going on here like what do you think is happening you know this game has been pushed back already you know we haven't heard anything for a couple years you know any ideas i think it's just a really ambitious project from a studio who is like this will be their biggest thing like this is their biggest project so yeah i think you want to make sure you get it right i'm sure it's difficult there are speed bumps because it is so much bigger than anything they've done before 
look, you, people have wanted a Harry Potter RPG for 20 plus years at this point. So mm-hmm. you are living on the hype that people have had for literal decades. And if you don't deliver, it's going to be devastating. People DOA. want this game to be good so badly. So you don't want to mess that up. It's a lot of pressure on the studio. And so I think that's what's taking so long. I think that, you know, as soon as they think that maybe they're they're getting to a point where things are, are going to be finished up, they think, well, no, we can make it better. You know, and that's a good thing. I, 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 I think that they need to they need to take their time on this. You need to make sure that this comes out and this is the best possible Harry Potter RPG that you as a studio could possibly make. And I don't doubt that they've had development issues because it is such there is so much pressure on them for this project. I'm sure it's a blessing to be able to work on on the Harry Potter IP to to make a, a game and and to have this RPG Harry Potter RPG as your project like that's that's cool mm-hmm. that's that's an honor to be able to do that, but it's not easy. And you, there are a lot <laughs> of people who who are looking at you. Have a lot of eyes on you. You're going to be under a microscope. It's scary. And so yeah, I'm sure that's what's taken all the time here. Yeah, I think if you look at a lot of you know, they probably do a lot of play testing. There's probably been, you know, some, uh, you know, what do you, what do you call that? Mike market research and that kind of stuff. Uh, focus groups, exactly. So focus group kind of stuff. And, you know, I think it becomes very obvious very quickly if they're not nailing that vibe. Uh, and again, I mean, this, you know, isn't, this is like a new developer port key studios, right? This is like for making this game. I think that they put this together. We know that they've been doing focus group testing since 2018 because that's when the very first video leaked from like wow. someone was like pulled to like an a, like a, an empty storefront in a mall and they're like, hey, <laughs> do you like Harry Potter? OK, come watch this. And someone like recorded it on their cell phone. And so we've known about this since then because of that sort of thing. So they've been working on this thing for a long time right. and I'm sure it's in some sort of development hell, but it, it's a tough project. It's tough. And again, like I said, it's a, probably it seems like a new developer. Don't quote me on that, but I think so. It was built for this game. Right. And so, I mean, just by the name Portkey Studios, that was my assumption. I didn't do my research 100 percent. But yeah, I think ultimately it's not like this is a proven team that has a lot of great releases or anything or even in the Harry Potter space necessarily. So I, I think it does kind of lend the idea that this is hopefully a game that they're going to do a lot of listening on and understanding what people have done. And I think hopefully getting really good feedback is going to be, uh, you know, really important for them to get this off the ground and, and get it right. Uh, Matt, do you have anything? Sorry. Yeah. So just to, to clarify things here, port key games was created as the publisher for gotcha. wizarding world games. And you know, they've, they, it's been all iOS games and Android games. So they gotcha. Hogwarts mystery wizards, unite puzzles and spells, magic awaken. These are all Harry Potter mobile games. Yeah. Hogwarts legacy is the first, major game but that's from avalanche studio and avalanche uh sorry avalanche software there is another avalanche they're the just cause team this is not them this is the team whose last game came in 2017 and it was cars 3 driven to win yeah so again i think a lot of feedback taking time retooling i think that's to be expected um i don't think it's necessarily fair to say this will be not good based on that. I, I don't think that's fair. I think they, you know, maybe they're untested a little bit in making a game of this scale. But I, I think, you know, as long, but I, I totally think that it needs a little bit of time, needs a little bit of feedback. I don't mind letting it cook a little bit longer. Uh, but that being said, it would be nice to see something a little bit concrete. I understand that they can't if they're in development hell, but 
I don't know. Hopefully we get some news this year, some information, some video, some gameplay would be cool. Yeah, totally. And I think we will because they did say that we're going to learn more in 2022. Now, obviously, we still have a long way to go before the end of the year. It could be December. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. But I think at some point soon, by the, by the time the summer comes around, we'll have a better idea of what's going on. And yeah, maybe we don't get it till next year. But I think if we do, it, it would be early next year at the latest. Totally agree. All right. We have a couple more stories here. Not too long, but kind of interesting ones. First off, Halo Infinite will see changes to monetization tomorrow. Again, we've been having this a lot, but this one's more of a holistic approach here. 343's head of design, Jerry Hook, on Twitter said, We've been monitoring the discussions on the shop, bundles, and pricing closely since launch. Using data and community feedback, we're going to begin rolling out changes to how we package and price items in Halo Infinite. And it all starts next week. Starting Tuesday, tomorrow, the shop experience will vary week to week. We are focused on reducing pricing across the board, providing stronger values in our bundles, starting to put individual items outside of bundles, and more. We'll be trying new things throughout the rest of the season so that we can continue to learn and improve for the future. Please keep the feedback coming during this process, and I hope to see you all next week for the Cyber Showdown event. Emphasis added by me because that just sounds like a funny event name uh, it's just buying stuff it's not cyber <laughs> showdown cyber showdown 2020 2077 <laughs> um yeah it sounds breathtaking uh matt do we think these are good things i haven't really seen specifically what the changes are going to be but i think it does sound like they are going to do some of the fixes hopefully this changes like buying a color i, I think we might be moving towards right. that so good news on the whole i think yeah it's good news we're gonna get cheaper prices we're gonna get stuff outside of bundles that's always good when you can pick and choose what you want to buy and you don't have to pay for an entire bundle it's, this is good news they are sort of learning on the job 343 is certainly learning on the job i wish they had learned a lot more during their pretty lengthy beta but it is what it is they're learning on the job here things are improving every week with halo infinite the game just keeps getting better and it's going to continue to get better. It was our game of the year. We all love it, despite its flaws. And this is just going to make the game better. I mean, it's a free multiplayer game. I'll drop a couple bucks on the game every now and again. And if stuff's going to be cheaper, that's great for me. I, I win on that one. Hell yeah. I love to hear it. And I totally agree. I think they've been listening. And I think they uh, you know, are making the changes that are vital to keeping the game alive like regardless of if they want to or wanted to initially or not um they are making the changes because i think uh you know 343 realizes that right now if they don't make these changes the game won't survive and if they do this game could continue to be huge for years and years and years so they just need to make these small changes and this could be big so really important now matt moving on to wait wait a second is that oh is it the is it the phone ringing oh uh hello sir hello sir I, uh, I, I looked, uh, are you my stockbroker? I'm looking to buy an NFT. Uh, sir, we don't, we don't sell NFTs at this brokerage. I'm, I'm sorry. You're going to have to go to, uh, the blockchain directly. <laughs> I don't know. I'm looking to buy Konami. I'm looking to buy a picture of Dracula, a picture of a map of Dracula's lair. Uh, I I'm willing to spend upwards of $20,000. Sir, what's a Konami? I, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's right. It is time once again for NFT Watch because we can't stop talking about NFTs up in this shiznit. First off, 
well, there's only one story today, Konami's debut NFT auction. Now, you know, we just recently talked about Konami doing some NFTs. Well, look at this. They have earned over $162,000 at their first auction. Give it up for Konami, man. Give it up for Konami. No. They are doing, look at them. Only cost them, they made $162,000 and it only cost them the goodwill uh, of their entire fan base. Look at that. What a what a worthwhile trade. As promised earlier this month, the Metal Gear and Silent Hill publisher auctioned off 14 pieces of digital artwork based on classic Castlevania games as part of its Konami Memorial NFT collection. Memorial? I, I, I don't know why. Weird. Launched to commemorate the series 35th anniversary okay uh memorial because konami is going to soon die after they do this um the nft with the highest sale price was in art uh, it was artwork based on dracula's castle map from the original castlevania game which sold for twenty six thousand five hundred and thirty eight dollars and ninety six cents this is for a digital image of artwork based on a map of a video game from year like decades ago and i'm not saying you know you could go on like anywhere you can go print it out yourself and then take it to your local Walmart and print it out and beautiful and get a frame there. And it, I'll tell you, it's a lot less than 20. You might be able to do it for less than a hundred dollars. And I'm talking nice frame, like a really, really <laughs> nice frame. I'm talking like maybe there's gold in the frame. This is crazy, right? $162,000 is obviously great, but like what again, I just feel like this is at the expense of goodwill to customers. And I guess maybe people will just forget. I mean, people aren't going to not buy a Konami game probably because of this. If as long as it's not in the games, maybe, but like what? (laughs) Yeah. Konami's revenue at this point is from gambling, NFTs and gyms. So they are like morally bankrupt at this point. (laughs) Right. I, I think that Konami just needs to get out of the video game business. Just sell off your properties, sell them to Sony. They'll buy them. PlayStation would love to have Metal Gear. They would love to have Castlevania. Silent Hill. Silent Hill. Just sell them off. You're not doing anything meaningful with those properties. Give them to someone who actually cares. If you want to write in the contract that you have to, they have to pay royalties to you because you came up with them i don't give a shit just get rid of it because you are morally bankrupt and not doing anything with your properties (laughs) sing it sister i love to hear it all right let's move on to our final story of the day which is motion twin the dead cells developer took to twitter to ask for suggestions on what to include in the game to make it more accessible love that there was some really great uh, discussion. Motion Twin is an awesome developer. They've added so much great DLC to the game. It's already got a lot of accessibility options and they've talked about adding more. So some of the stuff already uh, on the docket for them to add is the ability to adjust font size and color, adjusting the color palette for colorblindness, increasing UI size, adjusting contrast of background, and enabling auto hit, which is cool. Uh, I will say, um, I, I said it's got a lot of good accessibility options and it does have some pretty good ones, but also maybe not um, adjusting the colorblindness palette um, and color palette and like increasing UI size and stuff. I kind of feel like that probably should have already been there, but say la vie, I don't know. They're an indie dev. Uh, It's cool that they're at least going to Twitter and being like, Hey, we want to add this stuff now and we're already planning on it. What else do you want? Well, we're, while we're in there, like digging around, uh, which is kind of cool because they just had a big DLC release. So uh, it's kind of nice now that they're like, okay, well, we're going to keep the team on this game. We're just going to do some different stuff. Dead Cells also came out like right before the accessibility stuff really blew up and became popular amongst more games. And yeah, you know, Dead Cells is is 
from what I understand, I think it's their first like major release. So yeah, and it's made them a lot of money. And so, yeah, I mean, you can only do what you can do as an indie studio. And then when you make a lot of money, now you can go back and fix the things that you would have liked to have put in at the, at the beginning. I will say the enable auto hit. Um, that sounds like something that I, if I wanted to right. just go play this game on an easy mode and just enjoy the experience, that's something I would do in a game like Dead Cells that might at parts be too difficult for someone like me. <laughs> so, well, Matt, that is the point. It's a it's a roguelike, so you're supposed to die. Now, obviously, yeah, I mean, true. for someone who has accessibility issues, for sure. But like for you, uh, just just play the game. You'll you'll love it. I promise. I'll play it at some point. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what, everyone at home. And Matt, you're 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 at home. You're home as well. This am, is going yeah. to be it for the rest of today's GG replay. But don't forget, if you enjoy GG replay and all of our content at goodnightgrooves.com or just some of the content, that's fine. Like the Game Grooves podcast and the blog, and you're feeling super generous, take a look at our Patreon over at patreon.com/goodnightgrooves, where we have three different support tiers. The three dollar plus tier will get you early access to Game Grooves on a Friday instead of a Sunday, which is that's just baller. Some real value, Matt. Really value. Uh, really value. Really value. It's Monday. If you're enjoying this podcast, also please consider dropping us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Or, you know, I mean, honestly, if you review us like anywhere where you listen to a podcast, that's cool. But Apple Podcasts specifically really helps us out. Also, Spotify is like a five-star thing now, too. So if you want to do that, that's kosher as well. I, I mean, I didn't get it like blessed by a rabbi, but, you know, in general, it's, it's cool. Uh, <laughs> also... Uh, that's it. Matt, do you have anything else to say before we head out of here on this Manic Monday? GrooveCon 2022 will officially replace E3 2022. However, like them, we also couldn't get Sony. Now, we also couldn't get Microsoft or Nintendo or Ubisoft or EA or Devolver Digital or really anybody. In fact, we don't actually have anyone yet, but, you know, reach out. Motion Twin is in the talks with us right now. We, I mean, we emailed them. Like, we emailed their general company email. So... That's kind of like a talk. Um, we got an, uh, I got like, <laughs> a I got a conversation. I got it. Well, I got an out of office reply. So I think oh, I count good, that good, as good. like we're yeah, in yeah. talks now. You know what I mean? Um, the only problem here is that Groove Fest actually is going to be starting soon uh, oh, because no. I we couldn't agree on the name GrooveCon. So uh, there's we're actually going to be events. two. There's going to be two events uh, that already nobody wants to go to battling it out. So we're really bifurcating the audience best we can. Uh, so you, I hate to say it, but uh, your parents are getting divorced and you do have to choose little, little kid at home. So you, uh, I, I'm so sorry if anyone's going through marital issues, that is going to be it for today's GG replay for Monday, January 17th, 2022. But make sure to come back on Wednesday for a brand new GG replay. We, we just, I don't care if you come back. We're just going to keep making them. Good night, Grooves. In fact, you emailed Motion Twin on Christmas Day trying to fish an out-of-office email so you could say that they replied to you. I did, I did. Uh, I wanted to make sure I got it. 